Okay. All right. We're back with another episode of Bigfoot Revival. And we are joined today by our friend that we met at uh, a Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, a fellow podcaster. We've mentioned him a handful of times. If you're not listening, you need to be listening to uh, Dead Men Walking, Mr. Greg Moore. Hey. 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 Yeti, what's up? All right. Doing all right. Now, you wonder how we are so sophisticated. I'm literally controlling the volume to our intro music <laughs> with the volume button on the computer. That's how I fade in and out. Wonderful. <laughs> right, you got to get it done, brother. That's it. That's it. So... Uh, real quick, uh, give us a little bit about yourself. Oh, cool. Yeah, we'll jump right in. Well, uh, like you mentioned, uh, I, I do host, co-host with a, a gentleman named Jason Hamlet, a podcast called Dead Men Walking based on Ephesians 2. I love the juxtaposition of those set of verses in the opening chapter about being dead in our trespasses and sins and then being raised up into heavenly places. Uh, I, I've felt that regeneration in my life and the grace of God. Uh, my day job, though, my real job is I'm a real estate broker uh, here in Michigan, uh, south, southeastern Michigan. I also am an elected county commissioner. Uh, we've lived in Monroe County my whole life with my wife, Samantha, uh, 14 years. Uh, the first week of November will be 14 years. We have three beautiful children, uh, Penelope, uh, Coralie, and Oliver, nine, or 11, 9, and 6. And... Uh, yeah, just enjoying life right now. It's an election season. I'm running for re-election. I've got the podcast going. The real estate stuff is crazy. I don't know how it is uh, down south there, but we've got a crazy real estate market where stuff is selling quickly and moving. So I stay pretty busy. And like you mentioned in the intro, we met down at Fight, Laugh, Feast. Mm -hmm. And Jason and I were like, man, we like those guys. Uh, we're going to have to have them on the podcast. You got to it first, so although I'm on your podcast, you guys are definitely uh, going to be calling into ours for sure because we have also mentioned you a few times on the podcast. We love what you guys are doing. Uh, I love the Bigfoot revival theme. Uh, I, just as just as a uh, as a little side note, I'll tell all your listeners I have property in northern Michigan, and it's three miles away from the number three spot in the U.S. and number one spot in Michigan for. Bigfoot sightings, okay? All right. So I'm, I'm well aware of that culture, and I love how you kind of mesh the two together. But, yeah, that's me. I uh, grew up in a, in a, in a Bible-believing church, but it was very legalistic. Said the sinner's prayer at 7. I always tell people on my podcast, said it at 7, got saved at 24. Uh, <laughs> got into a more charismatic uh, church in my teenage years. Ran from the Lord as hard as I could from 16 to 24. He absolutely wrecked everything that I've been trying to achieve when I was 24 years old, stripped it away from me, and was able to save me at that point and then start to humble me so I could glorify him in everything I do. So since 24, uh, been regenerated and loving the Lord and trying to glorify him in all that I do. Sweet. Sweet. Amen, brother. So, uh, one, I love how the audio starts to get loud once we get going. So... <laughs> So, uh, the Bigfoot thing. Let's start yeah. there with something lighthearted. Yeah. The Bigfoot thing. Have you ever seen Bigfoot? I've never seen Bigfoot, and I'm not a big conspiracy theorist guy. Kind of like what we were talking about offline a little bit earlier today. I love hearing about them, but I don't really get obsessed with them. Uh, I have heard people, my neighbors, some other people in, in the very small town that I own the property in, 635 people in the entire town, 
They, they have said they have seen it. They've heard the tree beating. Uh, we've got a cast of a footprint that we found on our property that uh, we can't explain. It's a very large five-toed. Uh-oh. Oh. Okay, let's just do my phone. You don't know about? I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I love the culture around it, though. So, so there's a big gap from, uh, you said, five-toe, and then we lost signal. Oh. Uh, and it's going to do it again. Five. So it's a big imprint. We are on some low-level uh, land right on Lake Huron. up there to go deer hunting and we saw all these tracks all over and uh, we took some pictures of them and tried to do like a like a imprint of it didn't come out too well with the mixture that we made yeah. just for fun we don't know could have been a neighbor with uh, you know they sell the uh shoes that you can wear uh-huh. with, you know freak people out who knows man we're gonna get up and after i bow my knee to the lord probably my third question will be uh what's up with bigfoot god you know and he'll let me know <laughs> well, look, we we had um uh... I don't know. I don't know if he was a listener or somebody who just kind of tuned in right quick. But um, he warned us against Bigfoot because there's something demonic about Bigfoot. Yeah. And so we were sitting well, there. Well, look at if you study Native American culture, uh, they firmly believe that it was a spiritual being that could appear and disappear at will. Uh, they thought it was one of the many spirits that they worship, uh, reincarnating themselves into a physical being. Um, you know, that's also where Native Americans got, uh, you know, how from when they would hold up five, you know, all five fingers, because they also believed in the line of Nephilim that the Bible talks about. And those were being four fingered beings and giants. So they started identifying each other. Man, you were all sorts of busy over there. Uh, of course. Man. Always. <laughs> this hey, so- don't, don't feel bad. I was recording an episode a few months ago and Led Zeppelin kicked in on my phone. And, <laughs> and the host was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's my ringtone that I've never changed in, from 10 years ago. And it happened to be on, uh, you know, not on vibrate because my phone's been on vibrate for 15 years. And I just so happened to take it off on that episode. So. No worries. But yeah, the Native Americans even had a thing with like, you know, identifying five fingers because they were they, they believed in giants, Nephilims, Bigfoot. So but they thought it was a spiritual thing. And huh. I, you know, I don't read too much into it. I, I don't uh, you know, I don't get in, you know super obsessed with it. I think it's a fun thing to toss around in conversation, but you won't see me reading any books or uh, going to conferences about Bigfoot. Yeah. But I do love that it's in your title because there is a connection there. Yeah, well, we're just sitting here. You know, it's one of those things we got. We're both over six foot. I'm six four. He's six two. Uh, bearded guys, you know, country. And we're like, I don't know if you could tell. Bigfoot, you know, that's a good thing. And then, and then, uh, find out there's something demonic tied to it. We're like, well, we're redeeming Bigfoot. There you go. (laughs) We're going to redeem you. I didn't know that there were Native American uh, ties to it, like you were saying. And you were saying about the how thing. That's a good case for them being from Michigan because this is how you guys give directions, right? <laughs> That's how we do everything, yeah. Yeah, look at man. I, I grew up in the 80s under a very legalistic kind of Jerry Falwell uh, kind of theology. And, man, in the 80s, it's like you can attach anything to demonic, something yeah, if you want. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everything had a demonic uh, you know, undertone, and it's like, look at man, as Christians, we've been called to redeem the culture. That's right. Okay, 
So uh, guess what? We're going to uh, take Bigfoot Revival, make a podcast out of it, and do it onto the glory of God. That's right. So, you know, those guys stuck in the mud about saying there's something demonic attached to Bigfoot. You're, you guys are just redeeming that name in the you, name of Jesus. You talk about Jerry Falwell. I, and I, and I, I got a uh, part of my college is at Liberty. And the, but the first thing I remember hearing about Jerry Falwell was him referring to Barney as gay. <laughs> and that's right. my very first memory of it. I was like, why would he say that? That doesn't make sense. And I mean, it may now, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, but... he, he didn't like the Teletubbies either. Oh, really? Or, or Cabbage Patch Kids. I mean, everything had a very demonic undertone. <laughs> and I don't know if it's good to live life that way. Yeah, uh, right. seeing the devil, the devil around every corner. I think you're giving him a little too much credit. We are fallen. We mm-hmm. are depraved. We give into our natural desires, and when you do, bad things happen and sin have consequences. But I serve an Almighty, all sovereign, all holy, all just God, and I don't believe in dualism. It's not like God versus Satan in the mm, wrestling. That's right. I believe in I believe in God versus this little speck of uh, evil that He even uses that to His will and to His glory. That's and right. I don't. I don't like attributing the devil with more authority than what he has. It's for a short time. It's limited. And I've read the book and in the end we win. That's right. That's right. Well, we were saying, we were saying that, uh, I can't remember who we were talking to, but uh, he said, in the end we win. It was, it was uh, Scott. And uh, I made the comment to him. Oh no, you said it. Yeah. We've won. We've won. It's not even that we will win. Victory was on the cross. That's it. And so, absolutely. And so it's this this idea that we have to be nervous and scared of every little thing that, that uh, you know, we got people in the church right now who are scared mm-hmm. to death of coronavirus. They believe mm-hmm. everything the media has Still. said about coronavirus. Um, they are, uh, you know, they're riding along in a car by themselves wearing a mask. and <laughs> and And you're sitting there thinking... God says, and our tagline is, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And when we when we are just falling into this trap of of everything is evil, or we're scared of this and we're scared of that, or, or mm-hmm. we live these timid Christian lives, we're we're not we're not being obedient to Christ in the in the in the attitude or or what he commanded us to do, and that was to go forth and 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 multiply to to make disciples um i make yeah. the argument all the time because i've heard people say well go forth and make multiply doesn't account for children anymore because uh he then gave us the commandment to to go forth and make disciples and i go no no you 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 make kids and that's disciple making within itself but then you go and you're mm-hmm. spreading the gospel and making disciples we're we've never been commanded to just be timid afraid uh we're to be bold in what we say Absolutely. and 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 that's that makes us freaks in our area yeah because wow. the presbyterians in our area are liberal um mm. they probably think gay marriage is fine but they would keep that on the down low um, yeah. some of them may some of them may not but they definitely believe in the women pastors and all that kind of stuff yeah um then the Baptists in our area are just very sissy, very soft, limp-wristed. Uh, they're very uh, more concerned about what's going on in my life than I am bringing glory to God. 
Mm. And so uh, that's one reason we, we wanted to start a podcast because we're like, well, first of all, uh, we want to, to we we want to be bold in proclam, uh, uh, proclaiming Christ. The yeah. other part of that is anyone who comes from an area like we do, and we we always joke the South and 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 really rural. I think though applies. Uh, who who just feel all right? The Bible says this, but I'm not seeing this. It, I'm not seeing this this shown anywhere. Right, uh, that's one thing I love about the conference, the guys, Doug Wilson and Apologia and, and all that crowd because they're some of the first ones we saw who actually put gospel uh, to practice in a, in a yeah, very absolutely. real way. So, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, the kind of, uh, you know, kind of spineless, evangelic kind of uh, woke Christianity that we see uh, really invading the church was really made, uh, you know, it's really made that Martin Luther quote that says, whatever uh, you cling to in times of fear and trouble, that is truly your God. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of Christians cling to the state. They're clinging to secular laws. They're clinging to CDC reports. They're clinging to uh, their own will and their own might. When in fact, yes, the Bible does tell us, be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves, which means look into the facts, do your research, Make sure you're not doing anything that's outside of wisdom while using discernment, and then make that decision and still cling to God first and foremost, because everything else will be an idol. And I've been seeing the mask wearing and the, uh, like I said, the CDC reports becoming almost an idol within uh-huh. most of the churches where I'm from up here. Hey, we have to obey. This is what we have to do in living in a yep. state of fear. Yep. And as you said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a love, peace, and a sound mind. And that sound mind is really a minority right now within the Christian community, I would say, as a Absolutely. whole. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in the, in the circles that we run in and the theology that we uh, subscribe to, I would say not nearly as much. Um, I think that's why we're seeing another resurgence of Reformed theology. We saw it in the yeah. mid and late 2000s. We're seeing it again over the last couple of years because we're saying, look, at we're going to glorify God. We're going to put his word first. You see guys like MacArthur making uh, headlines. They're saying, look, Mm -hmm. we are going to hold church. And yeah, if you want to throw me in jail, I'd love a jail ministry. Go (laughs) ahead. We need more more of those guys uh, out there doing that. And you doing your podcast in the area area that you're in uh, is phenomenal because you're you're being a a disciple and a mission right in your area. Uh, Obviously, reaching people locally on the podcast and you know throughout the world as well. Yeah. That's the goal. Let me ask you this, uh, and you you may go, I don't I don't have a clue. I don't know. Uh, the young restless reform. What happened to that? Because it seems like the young restless reformed are the same guys who are pushing this woke movement. You know, I never got involved with that. Yeah, I was. I I didn't even really follow that. My story was I came. You know, when the Lord took everything from me and decided to humble me, so uh, I could. You know, so I could be saved. I was 24. I grew up legalistic and then very charismatic. So I had both uh, of that pendulum swing back mm-hmm. and forth. I started to read the Bible, uh, and I just told the story actually to a to a pastor that I met with this morning. Uh, I was really big into Dave Hunt from the Berean Call. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, he's passed away since, but he was very and kind of. He was charismatic, but he was very, you know, searched the scriptures daily, called things out for what they were. And uh, I saw a book that him and this guy that I never heard of named uh, James White wrote together called Debating Calvinism. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll pick this up. Dave Hunt is going to destroy this guy. This is awesome. And at the time, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm not really understanding some of the stuff that I've been taught versus what's in the Bible. And I read this book called Debating Calvinism, and about halfway through it, I was like, man, this James White guy is really handing it to Dave Hunt. Who is this guy? So, of course, start watching some of his lectures and debates. Start understanding the questions that I was asking at an early age, Mm -hmm. you know, as a 13, 14, 15-year-old to youth pastors about uh, I didn't even understand that I was asking about limited atonement and predestination, and they didn't have an answer for me. Started to really be found in Reformed theology and mm-hmm. was found in the Bible. I don't even really like coming out and going, oh, I'm Reformed, I'm Calvinist. I just believe what the Bible says. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've labeled it as that, but the, this is this is what the Bible says. So I had not been, I'd been in non-denominational churches my whole life, never with a very particular uh, denomination. So when I found Reformed theology, I was just kind of left out there floating. I was pulling from James White and R.C. Sproul and John Piper and Matt Chandler and Mark Driscoll and Tim Keller and going back to Edwards and John Newton and Charles Spurgeon and going through all these guys and going, oh, my gosh, all these guys were reformed, you know, Augustine, and not even realizing that there was a basis for this theology from the not only from the Bible and the early church, but throughout church history that I hadn't even been uh, informed about. Yeah. So. I didn't really team up with anyone, you know, I didn't have one team that I was on. I was just taking all, all this in and going, you know, it was like uh, like a whole new world to me and really wrestled with it for five or six years. I said I was a closet Calvinist until I was 30 years old to where I finally said, okay, yeah, this is how I identify. Absolutely, because it's biblical. Yeah. So, yeah, to get back to your original question, I didn't really, I haven't really been following that too much at all i'm just now getting to the point of going wow maybe i need to align myself with the denomination am i a you know am i a 1689er am i a presbyterian i'm working through all those kind of small denominational issues yeah all i know is that i believe in the doctrines of grace i believe in what the bible says and uh you know i'm working through it from there how about you guys so are you guys in a certain denomination down there we're southern baptist yeah um, okay. Obviously, we're from the south. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, no, um, I grew up Southern Baptist, man. My uh, grandfather was a Southern Baptist pastor. Um, just just grew up. It's in my bone, so to speak. Uh, uh, I'm loyal to it to a certain extent in the sense of uh, what they have been. Uh, but I was saved at seven. And... Uh, really because my parents had split up. Um, my grandfather, who I was real t- close to, not the pastor, the other one, um, he had died. And so it was one of those things that at seven, I was going through all this stuff, and I said, I need, I need comfort. I need help. And it's not coming from my home life at this time. And so uh, Christ said, you're mine. At that moment, he he claimed me, and well, technically Amen. on the cross, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I came to know Christ, went and talked to my grandfather, who who put me through the ringer. You know, he's like, "You're seven years old. Do you actually know what you're talking about?" And he asked me questions, not hostile, just you know, to make sure. All right, this is something sincere. Right. Passed his test. Um, he baptized me, which was one of the coolest things. I uh, grew up. High school age, straight away, um, had a real hard time. You know, uh, wanted to be wanted to be friends with the world. Mm. 
and and then as I became 20, 19, 20, he really just kind of smacked me in the back of the head. I said, it was almost like uh, those old Golden Corral commercials where, you know, they, they had that pan and they go, boom. Yeah. And uh, that was, I mean, it was that real repentance, not coming from your nose type crying. Um, I have rebelled against you, God. I knew better. I hardened my heart. And, and, and now I'm, I'm repenting in such a way that I'm going to dedicate my life to you. Year or two later, I was called to ministry. And so in all that, I stuck with the Southern Baptist thing. Um, and a buddy of mine who, who was going to Fruitland here in North Carolina uh, said, all these guys are Calvinists. I was like, what's a Calvinist? And okay. and so so we walked through the soteriology. And I had a problem with uh, limited atonement and uh, irresistible grace. The other three points, no problem. I grew up, you know, I was taught those things. So sure. I, was, I, never, I was never Armenian in any way, shape, or form. I was never Pentecostal or free will Baptist or anything like that. It, um, we always knew that, that God is sovereign. He's in control. Uh, but there's responsibility of man. That that was the, the viewpoint. And so uh, over years of, of watching people, like you said, uh, Driscoll, uh, Chandler, uh, MacArthur, uh, Sproul, I mean, it seemed like anybody that, that I was wanting to listen to, I even went to my pastor at the time and said, it seems like all the guys that I'm, I care to listen to are Calvinists. And so we sat down and we talked and 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 still I, I wouldn't go that far. But I'm I'm learning about reformed theology as a whole, not mm-hmm. just not just Cal, Calvin uh, uh, soteriology, right? I'm right. I'm picking up on on uh, uh, oh well, regulative principle versus normative principle, normative. that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and, and and I'm learning a lot and. What I have found out is that I'm more reformed than most Calvinists, and less Calvinist than all reformed people. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I found that uh, I have kind of a Lutheran soteriology. Oh. Okay. Um. So it's it's uh, uh. What was the term that Doug Wilson used the other day that I said that I agree with that? Definite atonement. Definite atonement. Now, according to the definition that Doug Wilson said the other day while we were listening to something he was doing, I can agree with definite atonement, which means the definition that he gave was that Christ knew who he was dying for, basically. Sure. And I said, like, yeah, yeah, I ain't got a problem with that. I ain't got a problem with that at all. And so uh, if you replace limited atonement with definite atonement, I agree with that. And that's what yeah. Wilson was saying that he agreed with. Um, and like I said, a lot of reformed theology stuff, the five pillars, the five solas, I'm, you know, I'm all about the five solas. Um, you know, and we're kind of probably getting off into the weeds, but it's, it's, uh, I've just always have had trouble with that, that, those two points in soteriology. Now, 
See, I didn't have too much problem with limited atonement because I kind of interpreted it as what you just said, definite atonement. Not only because here's the thing, Arminians believe in limited atonement too. It's just how, what way is it limited, either scope or in power? Yeah. Mm-hmm, we yeah. believe it's limited atonement, that it's, that it's limited in scope, yeah. uh, not in power. Arminians believe it's limited in you know power, not in scope. So it's like we both believe in limited atonement. Yeah. It's just what are we limiting when we say that? And when I looked at that, I, I kind of interpreted it as, yeah, of course, Christ died for exactly who he was supposed to. He knew who it was as being part of the, you know, uh, the Trinity and, yeah. and divine and all those things. So that one wasn't uh, too big of a hump for me. It was something that I had been struggling with. Uh, since I was 13 years old, really, even when I was running from the Lord. I remember I was 13. I go to my youth pastor. We're at a retreat. I said, why do people go to hell? And he said, well, because they don't believe. And I said, "Uh, isn't unbelief a sin? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, didn't Jesus die for all sins? And he said, yeah. And I said, then why isn't everyone in heaven? And he went, oh, that's a good one. And turns around and (laughs) Wow. So for a curious for a curious kid is like me, yeah. you know, at thir- now thirteen I'm asking this. I don't know what I'm asking, but I'm just asking these questions. I'm talking about limited atonement, and he didn't have an answer for me, which was part of the reason why it was so easy for me. Uh, when you grow up in a church that says "do this because I said so," and you're not, you know, mm-hmm. expository on why the reason is for a kid who wants to know why to everything, right? Drove my adults uh, and parents crazy on why, why, why. It was very easy for me to go, well, that's just a bunch of malarkey. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yep. Well, when the when the Lord saved me when I was 24, he dumped a whole lot of why on me. And yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness, I, I'm i not worthy to even understand this. And he really removed a veil from my eyes. And I fully embraced the five points because I went, oh, my gosh, this makes sense. This is my whole life. I've been saying I grew up saying God's in control, God's sovereign. Uh-huh. And I would ask my mom, well, then if, if and my dad, well, why do we pray? If God knows everything, why are we praying to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there wasn't a good communication there necessarily of reasoning those things out. And then when you get into Reformed theology and even Calvinism, you've got some very intelligent men interpreting the Bible saying, well, this is the reason why. And I go, and here's the scriptures, you know, references for it. And you go, OK, that makes sense. So as a systematic theology from, uh, you know, from the Old Testament to the maps, as they say, uh, that made sense to me, mm-hmm. and, and I did, and I did fully embrace it. Now, some of them were a little harder to wrap your head around, you know, when you're talking predestination and limited atonement. And of course, the very first argument I get all the time is, "Well, we're just all robots then," or "God created mm, yeah, evil." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, look, and I listened to a three-hour sermon from R.C. Sproul on where evil came from. It was elegant, beautiful. I think I teared up a little bit, and at the end of it, I didn't know what the heck he just said. Right, I still right. Didn't know what was going on. So it's like. There are mysteries of God, and I have to leave those up to him. But like I said about Bigfoot, right behind where evil came from, uh, you know, when I when I get up to heaven, we'll ask God about evil, Sasquatch, and maybe, you know, a couple other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a, a disagreement with uh, my grandmother the other day. I mean, she's dying of cancer. Uh, mm. But she's she's saved, and, and, and uh, there ain't no doubt about that in my mind now. That doesn't matter, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and uh, so so I said I looked at her. I said, and this is kind of the morbid sense of humor I have. I said, I said I can't wait for you to die so you can see that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and she she talked about me too. <laughs> you know, she's ready to go and everything. But it was one of those things yeah. where where you know when we do get and and, and like you, 
we all go, this will be the first thing I'll do. And I like the way you said about third, fourth thing that I'll do. Because <laughs> you realize, <laughs> first thing I'm going to do is hit my knees and bow to the, the, the creator. That's right. Oh. You know, yeah. uh, I'm not worried about uh, seeing my this this relative or that relative or that kind of it's going to be here is christ here yeah. here is and, and it's just amazing so i look forward and, and and we were talking about that you know look forward to and i and i i take this as part of my reformed theology because i i genuinely look forward to her being able to be in heaven like yeah. i have no problem with that it doesn't I'll miss her, obviously, but but it's not like I'm over here going, oh, we didn't know she may have sinned before she died, or you know, um, or or constantly be under that dread of of uh, can you lose your salvation, right? Right. And 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 be constantly worried, oh man, you know, and and, and but we have to as as. As Christians, reformed, not reformed, uh, uh, you know, we've got Pentecostals who who I've seen too who are more doctrinally unaligned with me, but more passionate for God. And I don't mean the laying out and, and speaking in tongues. And they don't I, the ones that I know don't do that. To what I'm talking okay. about, but they are they are legitimately interested in seeing God glorified. Yeah, um, and 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 I can work with that. I can work with you know Presbyterians who 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 uh, sprinkle water on their babies' heads and 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 that kind of thing. And if you're conservative in, in your understanding of Scripture, we may not understand it exactly just alike. But if you believe that the ultimate authority comes from Scripture, yeah, then I can work with you. I can work with you. Absolutely. If you're a yeah. Baptist and you're looking at me and telling me that the, the Scripture is not sufficient to tell us how to deal with race, I, I, I don't have no use for you. I really don't. Yeah, and I, I think that's the difference. Like, and the tagline in our podcast is, exploring doctrine and theology and all the fascinating things in between, because I think those, those are different. Like I can work with someone who has a different doctrinal view. I think it's more important to go, well, what's your theological view, right? Theological means to know God. Yeah. And then the, obviously that influences your doctrine, which is how you live that, the knowing of God out. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of things uh, doctrinally, as long as the core doctrines uh, in theology of, of who they understand God and Jesus and the and the Godhead to be are the same. Yeah, those those are some secondary issues that that's fine. Uh, I'm a pretty uh, you know uh, accommodating guy when it comes to secondary issues. I would yeah. I will sit you down and we'll talk and say, look at some of those secondary issues and the way you're living them out uh, can definitely stunt your sanctification mm-hmm. and maturity in your walk. Um, I think if you're more concerned about uh, you know, 14 people falling out and barking like dogs at a service, then uh, glorifying and disciple, glorifying God and discipling your fellow man, uh, that that could, you know, show up negatively in your sanctification process. But um, obviously, uh, I think I think I agree with what you're saying there too. Is is you you want to see people 
who have the same goal of glorifying God and discipling the nations, I think. Yeah. Because that's what we're really called to. Yeah. That's the very first thing Christ said. Go and disciple, then baptize, mm-hmm. then adhere to all, all the laws and, and things mm-hmm. that I've said. The very first thing he said to do was to, was to disciple. Yeah. yeah. And and that was a discussion that uh, Matt Williams, who uh, was at the conference as well, on how to build a tent, mm-hmm. came on the podcast last week. We were talking about how you, you convert, and then the church just goes, there's nothing after that. When yeah. in fact, and we do, and we're, we're part of that problem. You know, we as Christians bring an unsaved person to church and go, okay, pastor, save them. Give them yeah, a yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And it's like, man, we should be out there discipling. They should know the ins and out of our life and should be showing it in action well before they ever show up at our church. The church is for believers, not unbelievers. That's right. You know? That's right. How many churches, I, I don't know about your area, but in our area, I mean, it is, it is get people to church, get the lost to church. And I'm looking at Acts and it said that the lost were afraid to come into the church. Yeah. You know, and, 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 but the idea is just get them into church, just get them in church. Very seeker sensitive. The pastor will preach and, and, and maybe they'll get saved. Uh, homecoming, homecoming's a huge thing around here. You know, uh, in fact, I think we're coming up into that season, you know. Yeah. And yeah. well, the and church the whole, has trained us to be lazy. Yeah. And discipling yeah. and yeah. spreading well, the gospel. I, I, I think this is another good example of your theology and doctrine. Once it starts to veer off, a seeker friendly church doesn't believe God saves. It believes the church saves. Amen. It believes right. their fog machine and their worship team and their cool pastor with, uh, you know, his uh, his his Ray-Bans on and his skinny jeans and his sermonette, that's what saves. He's stepping on I my re- toes now, you know. I, I mean, mm. I, I love sorry. to go up there in my skinny jeans. And my, <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm my, saying my, there's anything wrong. My Doc with Martens, you. that's right. <laughs> I, I, re- I rest easy being uh, reformed and believing in election that, guess what, I'm called to disciple and to preach the good news, and the Lord will do with that seed what he wants. Yeah. I am in no way trying to out-argue, out-debate, or out-convince anyone of the love of Christ and what he can do in someone's life. I'm there to simply plant the seed and to live out my, my life as, as Christ called us to. That's right. I don't have to convince. Could you imagine being an Arminian and have to go out and street preach and go to church and go, man, what I say, I got to convince someone to get saved. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I go, I go, Lord, it's, it's your job. Well, that's the beautiful thing about the victory that we have. Christ won the victory. All we has to, all we have to do is be obedient and walk in it. And he does the work. That's right. Man, Yeti, you don't say a lot, but when you do, it's good stuff. Man, I got two talkers right here, so I'm just laying Amen. back. Amen. Hey, I do want to ask, Dead Men Walking Podcast. So when yeah. did you start? What gave you the idea? What clicked in your head? Uh, COVID creation. They, they classified me non-essential in March. So I said, uh, well, I guess I'll start a podcast. My wife was like, why don't you go talk to someone on a microphone? Because I can only take so much uh, of the the rehashing of the theological stuff, so (laughs) just did it on a just did it on a whim. I host a radio show up here too for entrepreneurs, and uh, that's fulfilling in a sense. But boy, do I love talking about God! Yeah. Uh, Even if I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, I love talking to people from different walks, like you guys. When I listen to your podcast, I get a different point of view. Mm -hmm. You say things. uh, I listen to your one on uh, on uh, uh, justice. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, uh, yeah, a few weeks ago when that first came out, and I was like, "Man, I love the take that you guys took on that." And I mean, that's uplifting to me. So I I love uh, talking to people about it. 
And the Lord's really blessed it. I mean, the conference was awesome. Where we met, we make these type of connections. Yep. I don't care if one person's listening or 100,000 people are listening. If I can glorify God in it, we're fine with it. Amen. We didn't start it to make a million dollars or have a title or become famous. I did it because I love talking about the Lord. And if one person tunes in and goes, wow, that's that's uh, a different way of seeing it or God's glorified in it, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. There you so, go. We, we, exact same story. Uh, we, I, we own a handyman service and when did you come on? Uh, well, about a year ago, it was November of last year, November last year, he comes on, we're doing the handyman service. And then in January, COVID hits, they shut everything down and nobody wants you in their house to be doing anything. Right. Right. And I said, man, we're not just going to sit around twiddling our thumbs. Mm -hmm. I I refuse to do that. Let's start a podcast. And he said, no, (laughs) not going to happen. I am such an introvert. (laughs) We're hustling one day and passing out business cards and just trying to get some customer build up and listening to cross politic. And they were like, we're going to put out a show every day for a while. Because we, we, we're going to hustle. And he's listening to that, and he goes, why don't we start a podcast? <laughs> Glad I thought of it. <laughs> I like how you brought that back around made it your idea. Yeah. That's, that's smart. That's smart. I always say, you know, there's, there's always somebody in your life who will come up to you and ask for advice, and you give it to them, and they'll ignore you. But then they'll hear it from a stranger, and they'll go, I just heard the greatest thing. And that's the way I felt like that was. I was like, that happens quite like, a what? lot between us two. <laughs> uh, so we started. Yeah, isn't and had that no great idea. that even, even during COVID, sorry to interrupt, but I love how many people I've met that said, yeah, I started a podcast or I uh, went back to seminary or I started a small group because yeah. of COVID. It's like, I love that even in these times where you can debate about whether the mask rule or not, or who's really being infected or whatever. It's like, Man, the glory of God is still working through that. Yeah. Uh, well, God is he uses sovereign. everything. Mm-hmm. He's sovereign, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I love how Satan just constantly gets tricked by the sovereignty of God. It's That's awesome. Right. Yes. That's right. And there again, it, it's all for his glory and our good. Mm. All of it, no matter what. One thing that we've been pushing uh, in our church services, because we're walking through James, is. Do not try to escape the trial. The trials are given to us by God. So COVID is is under the control of God. He's he's allowed it. Here it is. Where the where Satan and the enemy comes in is when we try to escape the trial that God's handed us. So absolutely. So uh, the the example that that's easiest to kind of process is when you go to the store and you see uh, you want uh, something that, that would be easy, like uh, a, a drink, and but you, you check your wallet, you're broke. You say, I can walk right out the store with this thing. That's the, t- that, the, the trial is not having the money to buy a drink. There's nothing wrong with that. Even wanting to drink, there's nothing wrong with it. But once we start going into the territory of I can take, Mm-hmm. And that'll solve. That'll get me out of this trial. That'll then I'll have what I want. That's where yeah. the it, and and it's called. I mean the the temptation 
I mean, uh, yeah, temptation means trap, like a hunter would set out for Bigfoot. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah, you know, I I had a paradigm shift in my thinking uh, in my mid twenties uh, because I did go through a trial with uh, my then girlfriend who had been dating for five years, now wife of fourteen years. She did break up with me. That was one of the things where the Lord took my girlfriend, my job, my license, my friends, my band, uh, my place to stay, my car. I had nothing. Okay, yeah. I, went, I went from going on a national tour with my band, signed to a major label, to having absolutely nothing in 14 days. And it, mm. was, it was really where I went through. Uh, and then, you know, my, my wife or my girlfriend at that time, now like breaking up with me, doing her own thing, running from the Lord, saying, I want to do what I want to do. And uh, I really had a paradigm shift of, man, I am not supposed to pray, Lord, get me out of this trial, but it's really, Lord, how can I glorify you through this yeah. trial? And I feel, especially in the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. and a lot of these uh, you know, TV uh, kind of celebrity pastors, it's like, pray to get out of it. And it's like, man, I look at the Psalms, I look at Job, I look at Ecclesiastes, and it's like, was God ever closer to them in those times of yeah. trouble mm-hmm. and sorrow? Yeah. It's like David was like, I am glad you inflicted me with this so I would know your precepts and know how to obey your law. Job is, you know, constantly crying out like, I, I don't want to be taken out of this until you've been glorified through this. So I think, you know, as a, as a Christian church in the United States, we live in such a blessed, prosperous country. If you make more than $36,000 as a single person, you are globally in the top 1% in the whole world. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. insane. That you is. know, we always talk about this one percenter stuff in the United States. It's like, look, man, if you're a single guy making $36,000, you're an elitist globally. You're in the top one percent. That's how wealthy we are in this nation. And I feel like it's distracted us from uh, having that dependence on God. You know, he says like the sparrow that goes out daily, that daily manna, right? Like I pray now, Lord, give me just enough to provide, but not too much to where I take my eyes off you and start counting my men like David did. Like, I don't want to get to a place where I'm depending on my materialistic goods and not on you daily for my sustenance. And I think I, I, I agree with you. Uh, that's a long way to say I agree with you. But like I said, <laughs> I, I warned you I was a talker. But but I think you're spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want to interrupt your your what you were saying with a stupid joke. <laughs> but now that I know that I'm in the top 1%, I'm going to buy me a top hat and a monocle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. A couple of good cigars. I think, I think I think you look pretty good with the top hat and a monocle. Maybe a cane. Yeah. Uh, too, you know, just something to poke around with. I'd hit my youngins with it, probably. He'd look like a Bigfoot <laughs> Monopoly guy. Spare the rod, <laughs> spoil the child. <laughs> so, so uh, you, you're talking about your, your band. Is that how you met Jason? No, he was doing something totally different. He was in a very much more successful band than I for 12 years, internationally touring, uh, open for all kinds of big names, had his own college gigs and stuff set up across the United States, was in Japan for a few years. Uh, I went to school with him and just knew him through a couple classes, and then we went our separate ways. Gotcha. Uh, and, and then he just happened to jump into a church that kind of he was testing out and I was knowing I was on my way out of. Our paths crossed there for about a year. He was very into, when he came back from the Lord just three years ago, he was very into like uh, NAR, like the uh, Apostolic Reformation, the new Apostolic Reformation. Mm -hmm. He got got into fire tunnels and healing ministry and all this stuff. 
And we just happened to be at a two-day retreat for this church, and he didn't have a ride back to uh, his house, which I happened to find out was five houses down from where I live. I said, jump in. I'll give you a ride. He goes, "What's so what do you believe? So I had him for two hours trapped in a car, and I got <laughs> to talk to him all the way down. And then he just started diving into the Word of God, got into John MacArthur, got into R.C. Sproul about uh, about a year ago. He reaches out to me, and he's like, man, I think I denounce all this other stuff. Like, this is what the Bible preaches and teaches. What what do you know about Reformed theology? I said, oh, I'm, not, I'm not in the cage stage anymore, brother, but sit down. Let's talk. And it's been so awesome because uh, he was my first guest on the podcast. And then I reached out to him a few weeks later and he said, dude, you want to just kind of come on? He's like, man, I'm introverted. I don't do podcasts. I like being a musician behind a guitar and don't say or sing anything. And I said, I don't know, man. I think we balance each other out. It's kind of the same dynamic you two guys have. Mm-hmm. And it's just, he, he's been learning and growing. And he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you, probably still in his cage stage. I look at him and I go, wow, that was like me 10 years ago. He's kind of got my enthusiasm back up for him. Because now he's yeah. digging into places where I've kind of left behind. He's like, what about this guy? What about that? You know, wh- what if we go down to this conference, this Doug Wilson conference? And I'm like, what? I have you been following that. So uh, he's added something to the podcast, too, to where he brings a freshness and a, and a kind of enthusiasm there because he's in that stage where it's like he just can't consume enough. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. listening to you guys. He's listening to Cultish. He's listening to Durbin and Apologia. Obviously, all those great uh, pastors and elders I just talked about, he's listening to. And so am I. But it's like the, the, the eyes and the freshness that he comes with, it gets me excited, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and then so since April, we've been doing the podcast. And like I said, uh, hopefully it brings glory to God. There yeah. you go. I'm telling you, they're the Yankee versions of us. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and started listening to you guys from episode one. And it's like, yes, yes. I mean, it's good it's stuff, awesome. man. Yeah. That's awesome, the Yankee version of you guys. I love it. Well, I was talking to Jason at the at the conference, and I was, you know, trying to just pick his brain on how do you guys go about this? How did you get started here? What are what's some of your techniques? And he's like, well, I just, you know, handled this aspect of it. But Greg, he's the talker. He's the one. I'm like, <laughs> yes, we're on the same page. <laughs> I don't know. You want to what though? There's something to be said. My wife is she's introverted. She's wise. But I'll tell you what. Uh, when I talk, people go, yeah, 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 for the most part. When she speaks up, she has measured words, and people listen, and yeah. it's wise. And I look at that, and I go, man, I wish I had more of that to where there's something about self-control, too, with the tongue and with the mouth and, and not mm-hmm. having diarrhea of the mouth. That's a you know not a great analogy, but it uh, works. I look at that, and I go, man, I love when people sit back. They don't say a whole lot, but, man, when they say something, you go, whoa, I just heard that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? There's a place for it. Mm-hmm. There's my, a place for it. My wife and your wife sound very similar in that, that manner because you'll be having a conversation and I'm leading the conversation and most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, you know, somebody will say, well, what about this? And then, you know, I'm, I'm throwing in my two cents and everything. Then my wife will say something that's just a couple words, but you're like, oh, oh, that hit right <laughs> yeah. there. Oh, and sometimes it's an insult. <laughs> and, you know, and other times it's just she's adding in, but she 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 she's like a uh, a leopard or something, you know, just buying her time, waiting to strike, mm-hmm. and then when she does, it hits straight to the point, and you're just like, that was perfect, that's perfect. Well, that's, that's All wisdom. these words that's I used, 
that's a Proverbs 31 wife. I mean, that's wisdom. Yeah. There's a reason why I think Proverbs refers to wisdom as a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. not ashamed to say it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good a, point. I've never uh, thought of it like that, but yeah. So um, you said that you have an entrepreneur radio show. So I didn't know that. So Yeah, so, just locally. Okay. So uh, where, where I, know, I know you have your real estate company. Is that is that what you know? You got into real estate, started growing, or or is it, have you got multiple things? No, or? I I mean I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I've got plan A, B, C, and D, and that's what I really preach to a lot of people. Do not put all your financial eggs in one basket. Just like you diversify in the stock market, you have to diversify in what you do. Yeah. Um, I'm blessed enough to be able to work for myself. I was at AT and T corporate for almost ten years. I had a whole plan. I was going to be a vice president, one of 13, go on that track, make some good money, have health insurance, the whole thing. And then my father approached me and said, hey, do you want to start this little niche market in real estate where we don't buy or sell any uh, properties, but we do uh, appraisals for like banks and municipalities? And I went, no, thanks. We bought heads anyway because we have the same personality. And uh, that just sounds horrible. Why would I leave a six-figure job with full health insurance? to start in an industry that's on the downturn in 2009 and 10, where everything's blowing up. Well, I took it to my wife and in all her wisdom, like we just said, we prayed about it. And the Lord just kept telling us, do it, do it, do it. I said, I can't believe I'm doing this. I quit my job. I went there and uh, it was a struggle for the first three or four years. I mean, we did, we did very well financially, but um, then the business changed and there were some times where you weren't making as much money. I'm waking up every day going, well, let's not be homeless next month because that's what business ownership is. And I went from a very kind of comfortable, it was, you know, a salary commission based job with benefits to you kind of got to figure, you know, in my old job, I had a million dollar ad budget with at and yeah. I could just call up and say, hey, send out the latest winner of uh, The Voice because we sponsor it for, you know, our our launch of our new store and then when you own your own business you go oh i gotta take that 500 dollars and spend it on print media and billboards man that stinks it's, it's not someone else's money i'm spending yeah, out yeah. of a budget mm -hmm. so uh got into that and then also do i've got a reclaimed wood thing that i do i do government auctions i buy and sell like fire trucks and road equipment and all that stuff with my father uh so i've always got a couple things going yeah. i love the free market man i'm a red-blooded capitalist okay I would rather buy something for a dollar and sell it for $2. I get happier over that than, you know, and having a hundred percent increase in my profit than buying something for $5,000 and selling it for $5,500. Yeah. I know it sounds dumb, but it's like, I, I love being able to have a mutually beneficial transaction between two people where I can make a profit. I really believe uh, that's probably the closest thing to biblical as you can get without where there's no coercion, where it's mm -hmm. two people coming together and have a mutually exclusive uh, relationship and buying and selling with each other. And so I started a radio program. I was approached by one of the radio stations down here and I, we just talk entrepreneurship and, uh, obviously my worldview is Christian. It's not a Christian radio station or anything like that, but try to put some godly principles into yeah. owning a business, uh, that as much as I can in the limited experience and success that I've had in my businesses. So you're Dave Ramsey. <laughs> no. I wish I was as self-controlled as Dave Ramsey. Man. That guy's awesome. Uh, one of the reasons because we're sitting here in the office and uh, I said I, I had the the computer turned in a different angle and uh, I said mm, there's all my Dave Ramsey stuff sitting back there. Let me turn it. <laughs> 
So, but uh, yeah, because so I've always worked, have wanted to work for myself. I worked uh, all kinds of jobs, uh, mainly blue collar. Um, I worked myself up to being a plant manager of a steam plant. And during that time, I said, well, I want, I, want, I want to have the handyman business going on on the side. Started that. And and the plant shuts down. And that's when I said, all right, that's the second good job that I've had that that the plant has shut down. One, one, one plant where I was uh, building oil fracking pipe, the... the Average time there was 40 years. 40 years. That's the kind of turnover it had. And that place shut down. I moved back home, started working with a steam plant, and the guy said, do you know anything about boilers? I said, no, sir. I absolutely do not. I said, but if I can get my hands on it, I can learn it. And that's what I've done. And within six years, I was I was managing the plant. And... And when it shut down, I said, "I'm not doing this again. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna lose my job, it's gonna be because I screwed up, right? Like, right. like, like if I lose my job, and and, and I, because I because of that, I don't feel any security working for someone else. You know, I, mm. I really don't have any security working for somebody else. When I was trying to talk you on coming on board, you know, you felt secure in your your job, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I was. They can throw you away tomorrow, just like that. And they yeah. showed that they would do that with other people. So, and through a lot of prayer." and uh, searching the scriptures and um, just the direction, you know, God was moving us. Yeah. I left my job of 16 years to come on and help him. Now, yeah. if uh, now if he screws up, I'm out of a job. <laughs> 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 and, and so we, we do the handyman work. We do yard care. We do, um, we, we make knickknacks. Uh, and what I mean by knickknacks are like uh, home decor things. My wife has a cricket. She'll, you know, we'll take a board and sand it and rusticate it, and she'll slap a, a vinyl sticker on it, and we'll soak it down in uh, epoxy. And we do uh, we just we made some crosses, and I'm, we've been meaning to put them online, but uh, yeah, one's one's a red cross. It's just this beautiful red color, and. Uh, and uh, we were going to use it because of our logo has the Bigfoot with the with the, with the red, red cross. I was going to say, is that part of your logo? Yeah. Yeah, and so um, we do that. We, we uh, our first uh, YouTube video. You correct me because you're in charge of social media. <laughs> but uh, I think the first YouTube video we did was uh, us splitting firewood because yeah, we were you, down there at the creek. All right, winter time's coming up. A lot more jobs are going to go away. We want to supplement our income and. Uh, so we, we, nothing major. I mean, nothing, you know, we don't do anything that we're sitting there thinking we'll become millionaires from this. It's just the idea yeah. of hustling and trying to, to create and trying to be, um, in a lot of ways as free as possible. Uh, so like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a businessman as much as a, a hustler, I guess. I mean, I'm well, that is always, a, that is a businessman. Businessman's just a fancy term for a hustler. <laughs> I mean, and so in 100%. that, percent. Yeah. You, you show you show me one successful businessman that doesn't know how to hustle. Yeah, 
That's a good point. I mean, it, it is it is what it is. Uh, I tell that story all the time to where, you know, we have a real even racial divide in this country. And when I grew up, when I was younger, I would go down to the uh, to the baseball card store. I would buy packs of baseball cards, then I'd open them, break them up, and then resell them out of my house. Now, it was probably technically illegal because it said not for resale. Yeah. But uh, I called it a small business. I had a black friend who lived on the other side of the tracks, and it was the you know, the very stereotypical side of the, you cross those tracks and you're mm-hmm. a different part of town. He would take cassette tapes and he would put them in his radio player and then record songs and then uh, take scissors and cut it and tape it and make mixtapes. OK, once again, illegal. He called it hustling. Uh, I called it a small business. Guess what? We were from two walks of life. We were both friends. We were both small business owners. Yeah, that's what we were. And I feel like if we could start, you know, kind of even gapping that divide, obviously through the Christian worldview, but even in business to where, look at man, I don't care if you're out there cutting up tapes or selling baseball cards as a kid, you both have the philosophy of entrepreneurship and small business in your blood. You're Mm -hmm. doing the same thing. Culturally, you're doing it different, but the principles are the same, right? Yeah, exactly. So I I look at that and say, oh, I'm not a business guy. Look at if you make a dollar anywhere, you're running a business. Yeah. And if you're doing it to glorify God, uh, that's even better. That's what I rest easy. And I go, Lord, everything that I do, I want it to glorify you. And I love in Proverbs where it says, you know, a, a man uh, uh, a man plans his step, but the Lord creates his path. Yeah. And if you actually look at Darby's translation, it's very temporal. It's saying a man decides his time and the Lord decides the distance of how long he'll go. Uh, that's what that's actually saying. So when I read that, I look at my even my business life is Lord for a season, whether it's a month, a year, 10 years or 20 years, I'm going to plan this. I want it to be in your will. And the Lord's going to decide how long that goes in three years. You guys might not be, uh, uh, doing side work and, uh, you know, a uh, handyman work and, and that stuff. He might have you guys, uh, doing podcasting full time where it's bringing in all kinds of revenue. He might have you somewhere else. The, the trick to that is being open to that, listening to that still, small, mm-hmm. quiet voice, the Holy Spirit directing you on how to do that and making sure it glorifies him. So I'm not married to any one profession or any one yeah. job. Right now, my title is county commissioner and real estate broker, but the Lord might have me be doing something totally different in a year from now or three or five years from now. Well, that's one thing since the conference, the podcast has taken off in such a way. We basically have doubled our audience because of the podcast. Nice. I mean, because nice. of the conference. And um, I was telling y'all that our average episode maybe at the conference was 100 people. Uh, we had an episode jump up to 660-some-odd people in one listens in a day and wow. has consistently stayed over uh, 150 per day. That's and beautiful. And so... Um, that's to us. We're like, okay, maybe there's something here. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Because, uh, and, and, and we've been praying because both of our hearts are in ministry. We enjoy, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and that's something I don't think a lot of people understand. There's a lot of hustle in ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you're constantly having to check on people. You're managing people. And, and I don't just mean like you go here, you go there, but you're ministering, uh, you're managing them by, uh, their lives. So when they make decisions, you know, they'll, they'll, Hey, pastor, what, what's going on here? You know? And, uh, we met, we, we pastor a small country church. Uh, he's the music, uh, pastor. I'm the, uh, uh, pastor. We, we got a co-elder that, uh, I pastor with and it's just a small 30 member church. 
And so they, they, they don't have the money to, to pay for us. So that's why I work sure. like I do. And, but I, I'm always wanting to move more towards the ministry. And it seems like the, the podcast may be, now I, I know we've got a lot more growing to do, but the podcast may be an avenue towards moving ministry to, to financial so that we can do that financially and focus me, me particularly, I call him the CEO of Bigfoot Revival. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's running the social media. I may be doing most of the talking in a podcast, but basically he's doing 80% of the work. And, and so, and, and after there again, after the conference, this dude lit on fire. I mean, he was just, he, he was, Oh, you know, and I'm like, because normally I'm yeah. the one who's who's excited about things, wanting to let's do this, let's do that, you know that that whole thing, and um, and so he's been on fire for, it. and I'm like, tag on right, let let's roll. And so I've been following his lead with the 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 podcast and the website and all that since the conference. Uh, and my thought process and what I'd like to, and if God opens it up, that'd be great, to where. I can focus on church ministry. He focuses on this ministry. He's the music guy in the church. I'm the a character on his <laughs> podcast. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and that the podcast can fund us so that we can do ministry uh, both both in this format to where our goal is to get people to think biblically. Now we don't think that everything we say is a hundred percent accurate. But we want people to be able to think more biblically than what they do, and uh, to to go out there and minister to our local assembly, to the the people in the town who who live in our area. Um, you know, we're one of these small towns where uh, we have a post office, but that's about it. So we have a caution yeah. light. Uh, your your town where you said about six hundred members. I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's ballpark to what this town is. Really? Okay, yeah. so it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty yeah. rural. Yeah. The the biggest you know, town around us is, I think, four thousand. Yeah. Yeah, the property I have up north is about six hundred people. Down here in Monroe County, we're one hundred fifty thousand people. Yeah. So we're a little just outside of Toledo, Ohio. So look, you, you get a little bit of the city feel there, and only twenty miles south, uh-huh. thirty miles south of Detroit. Okay, gotcha. We are. Uh... Yeah. We, we at the conference, mm-hmm. he, Yeti came up with the whole thing. He goes, "We're known for two things." I said, "I said, what's he about to say?" <laughs> Hogs and wine. And I was like, "No, that's right. <laughs> yep. That's what we're known for, man. Bacon and wine, baby. Bacon and wine." So, of course, uh, bacon and wine. Yeah. Strangely enough, our our Muslim yeah. population isn't you know too booming right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a lot of Muslims out there baking and wine country. No, no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, um, hey, that's that sounds like a fantastic meal. Anytime you call me up and say we're having bacon and wine, I'll be over. That's it. That's it. <laughs> if you ever find yourself in North Carolina, holler at us, man. We'll, we'll hook you up. One hundred percent, I will. Uh, well, this has been uh, fun. Yeah, and then we're right at an hour. I've so. enjoyed listening to you guys. If <laughs> wow, two good jokes. Yeti, yeti, I'm on a roll. <laughs> on a roll uh, look, 
we did a podcast with Darren Doan, and I said, how 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 far do you want to take this? You know, I don't know. He said, we'll, we'll Joe Rogan it. I said, okay. <laughs> uh, and we'll see if I can, we can make that happen. And, <laughs> and we get about an hour in, and then he goes, now these guys, and we hand over all our equipment to these guys, <laughs> these guys, and he, uh, he smoked his first cigar. And these guys have okay. given it to him and everything. So, so we're like, well, I reckon our podcast is over. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got up and started talking with, uh, 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 oh, oh, what's his name? From Cultish. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. I started, I got up and started talking to Jeremiah from Cultish. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I think they went on for another 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was good. <laughs> so. Anyways, uh, we appreciate you coming up here, man. We we've enjoyed getting to know y'all. Um, um, Same here, man. I, I've tried to. Uh, I found out that that. Uh, I don't know if this is the case. I, I'm illiterate when it comes to social media, man. I, I I started off on social media like everybody, and I went, "This yeah. is killing my productivity." So I gave it up. <laughs> I just gave you. it up. And. Um, now that we're doing something that involves social media, I'm like, well, you know, maybe I ought to have something. But I was liking some stuff that he was posting with Bigfoot Revival. And he's like, man, you, we're liking ourselves every time you do that. Because he's an admin. <laughs> so, it's like, so every time I'm like, it, it shows Bigfoot Revival. Oh, was that in the way? I'm sorry. Uh, it shows Bigfoot Revival is liking its own post, you know. <laughs> And so I said, quit doing that. So, so I'm trying to be a little more uh, active. I see stuff that, like, um, you were in the, the deer stand with a with a bow. Oh yeah. And so I like that. And 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 the more that I've gotten to, to know y'all and and listening to the podcast and 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 on social media, I'm going some kindred spirits. And and <laughs> we have Christ. And I just I'm excited. To know that there again we're not alone yeah that, yeah that we have people you know we're we're we can uh you know call you up and say hey you want to do a podcast and you said yeah you know that kind of thing well this yeah, conference absolutely. too you know normally you go to a conference you get encouraged you get fired up you come back you get busy about what uh, about applying the things mm-hmm. that you learned but then you start kind of coming down off that high and you're like man kind of miss that and everything where this one's been great and far exceeded any ex- expectations that we had was we've actually made connections now to where yeah. we can contact you guys you guys can contact us we've yeah. you know darren doan uh, and a bunch of these other guys yeah and that just kind of keeps Free, yeah, Stone, yeah that that keeps the encouragement going you know 100 percent, and it's like real world application like for instance uh I would, you know, Luke Will, or Luke Wilson, Luke Pearson <laughs> uh, from End Abortion Now was on our uh, mm-hmm. podcast, and now we're in talks, and I just hooked him up with our Senate Majority Leader and our uh, Speaker of the House, so he can start working on legislation for the uh, re- reform red state for a- abortion laws here in Michigan. So, like, it's far-reaching when you start networking with other people. Yeah. That probably would have been a tougher connection to make in a direct message on social media mm-hmm. exactly uh but when you come together and we have access to all these different walks of life and and, and people that have their own sphere of influence mm-hmm. and we can 
we, and you know, you guys can lend your sphere to them and they can lend it to you. Right. I mean, it, it's a beautiful thing and it really is a great picture of how the body of Christ is supposed to yeah. work. I believe. Amen. And I think one of the things that I think really worked was the size of the conference. Now I know they, you know, they're like five, six, seven thousand people, you know, they, they'd love to have it huge. But in my mind, I'm going, the size of the conference allowed us to be able to mingle and, yeah, and to get perfect. to know, not yep. just, not just, not just talk to like, uh, chocolate knocks and, 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 um, um, Toby, yeah, but to, to actually, we got to know y'all, um, made some, uh, connections with just people in the, 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 who were just like us, that we were just there. Right. Yeah. And, and just got to make those connections and, and get to know people. So uh, when you, when you make it too big. Now, I, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they ought to keep it the size it is. What I'm saying is, I'm glad we were there at the the, the foundation of that. God is at sovereign. the beginning of that, so that so that as they grow, hopefully we we'll all get to grow with them. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and I'm excited to have you guys on too. Uh, when, when after this episode, let's hook up and figure out when we can get you guys on, so you can be introduced to our listeners too. Uh, you know, maybe you can get some Yankees following you. Uh, that's right down there in uh, <laughs> South Carolina. So uh, it's it, thank you for having me on, Matt. It's been a blast. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming up here. And uh, there again, if you ever need anything, just holler at us. Yep. All right, All right. So you want to do the social media stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So you can follow us on almost all the social medias, but um, we have a Twitter, we have YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram. And um, if I'm missing anything, go to our website, www.bigfootrevival.com, and you can find all the links there, as well as all of our podcasts, blogs, etc. And you can email us, bigfootrevival at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and sound judgment. Hey, guess what? What? We out. Deuces.